Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I am Michael Salavari, and today we are doing the first of our quarantine episodes. Yay! Uh, with me today, we were meant to have everyone, but in the end, we only got Kiwi, Chris, and Oliver. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. How do hi, I know guys. I was asking for that, wasn't I? Anyway, um, <laughs> how are you both doing tonight? Whatever it is. Exactly. Going very well, man. That's if good. Hundred years old. Let's do it. Yeah. What about you, Ollie? Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it's quite quiet around. <laughs> yeah, you know? you can say that again. Not much traffic. You can just chill out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of eerie. I gotta say, I was in the city earlier this week, and there was just no one around, and I was, it was just it was a bit apocalyptic. But anyway, enough about the horrible pandemic that is touching every facets of our lives, including our motorsport lives, which is why we're which is why we've got nothing to watch. Which has actually worked out great because it means that we can actually do something to celebrate the fact that two episodes we go ago we hit one hundred episodes for this podcast. Woo! And who knew that we'd be fashionably late to our own 100th anniversary? <laughs> yeah, we were, because we're the worst. Um, anyway, what that did was that actually gave me a bit of time to work on putting together something a bit special. So we're doing a, a Q&A. So we, the reason we're meant to have everyone is because we got a bunch of nice questions from some of our listeners, including some listening in the live chat with us now. Hello to all of you there. Um, we, and some not-so-nice questions. And some not-so-nice questions, but we'll get to those. They're, they're fun, um, but we'll, we'll see. And the idea was we'd be able to like do a big old celebration for the fact that we've been working together these last five years to create what such a beautiful thing man it's a beautiful thing um but in the end of as cause of course the americans and this podcast are uh, being fashionably late as they do so we might, might just do this in two parts so we'll have the australian and the european well the the ollie um in this together and then maybe when the americans can get their act together we'll do the same thing again with them um but yeah so thank you very much for your questions and i'll start off um with a question from uh bonnie last 47 uh one of our reddit users um she asks us uh, what brought you into motorsport? What? How did your interest in motorsport start? How has it evolved and how does it interact with your day-to-day life now? So I'll give the floor to Kiwi first and then we'll go from there. Okay, so there's, I guess, three big moments in my life that really you know, brought my love of motorsport to the fore. Uh, where I grew up in Christchurch, uh, about half an, half an hour away from my house, there's a there's little dirt track called Woodford Glen Speedway. Oh, wow. Um, my f- stepdad would take me out there pretty much every second weekend to watch, you know, sprint cars, all sorts of whatevers, you know, whatever they had, saloons, whatever was on special midgets. Just, and it was a great night out there just getting the dirt in your face and the sound, the smell. It was absolutely amazing. Nice. Uh, he one time even entered a demolition derby. And then I'm going to say it was a 1984 Ford Fairlane. <laughs> an, absolute, an absolute brick of a thing. He got three quarters of a lap. Oh, God. <laughs> Beauty. <laughs> um, but that was like a pretty awesome memory. And it's like, okay, motorsport is cool. Yeah. Second, second thing was uh, actually a book I read. You read a book? I know, right? Oh, hey, that's was, terrible. Quite... You can read. <laughs> I can't do much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now the book it was a it was a book meant for twelve to fifteen year olds. I was eight when I read it. Oh, you were reading above your level? 
Yeah, I know, right? Don't know where the hell that's gone. <laughs> yeah, what happened to that play? But the book was called Slide the Corner. Um, oh, yeah, nice. It's a story about a young adult who wants to get into rallying. And I just, I, I can't for the life of me find a copy of the book. Well, actually, I found a copy of the book in the library, but of course I can't go to the library at the moment because, well, the libraries are shut. <laughs> yeah. But there was one passage in there that just talked about how he was dancing on the pedals and moving the car with such grace. It was like really poetic and nice. It just made me go, oh man, this is, this is pretty cool. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. But what got me into endurance racing? I've got a feeling this might be the same for you, Flood. Remember when 1HD first started? Yes, yes. Yes. The first uh, time on they showed? Yes, I do. Yes. I was, that was the first time I set up all night to watch a race. And I fell in love with Le Mans. Yeah, I, I will say that. So for those who don't know, 1HD was a free-to-wear sports-only channel in Australia, which was run by, like, the the cool free-to-wear TV channel. Uh, and yeah, they for a while it was great. They basically would just speed TV for anything motorsports, but then, yeah, they stopped being cool. Cool. So that's very nice, very touching story there, Kiwi. What about you, Ollie? How, how was your... How did you come into motorsports and how has it evolved into endurance racing? So for me, um, the kind of, well, you can't really avoid Formula One that much in the UK. Oh, yeah. It's it's just everywhere in terms of the history kind of being ingrained and motorsport being ingrained in British culture um, quite a lot. Um, and yeah, I remember being plonked in front of the television watching Schumacher uh, absolutely dominate um and oh, from from yeah from from not really being able to understand it like I can't really remember that much other than just sitting in front of a television and watching a red car just go round really fast um so that must have been early thousands maybe even just at the end of the 90s mm. um because it's all kind of a bit of a blur. A red, um, a red, very fast, very red blur. It, well, exactly, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and it's, I was never, my, I never really went to much motorsport. Um, for me, it was, I, I really enjoyed the classic uh, race cars. So I went with my dad when I was a kid a few times, which is around the old, circuit so not the hill climb um okay. and it's basically like silverstone kind of aesthetic where you've got a an old airfield and then there's the perimeter road that they made into a racetrack yep yep um and that happened a lot around the uk which is why i mentioned earlier it's so big in the uk because there were so many world war ii airfields that were turned into racetracks when the war ended kind of thing yeah um so there were just so many old retro cars and they had loads of different classes um, that of, of different eras and, and beautiful, beautiful priceless cars that are just going crazy value. Um, and I was just kind of enchanted by these really nice, beautiful old looking cars. And funnily enough, you know, some of these cars were actually period race cars that entered at Le Mans and oh, they wow. did really cool um one year, I remember they did a really cool tourist trophy that went into the night. And so it was kind of like a, a sunset, you know, oh. for us uh, in September, golden sky, sunset, 
gorgeous than these old cars with lights that hardly worked. Yeah, it, it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The photography like would would have been perfect. Oh, that would uh, sound awesome. Kind of golden hour. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, that that kind of got me into it, and then um, that those kind of events. I was then working as a summer job for a company that actually turned up to these events running cars just as a summer job. Is Ollie still alive? Is anyone alive? I'm alive. Oh, okay. That's a shame. Ollie, you kind of died. That's a shame. It's a really good story too. Yeah. Whoa. I I I feel like this is, this is top gear. On with the show. <laughs> on with the show. Um, I have got an update, by the way. We should be getting Cookie pretty soon. Um, so while okay. while Ollie's rip, um, I guess I'll tell my story. I'll keep it brief. Uh, growing up, my dad was super into F1, and I was also by proxy super into F1. Um, my dad used to tape races uh, on the Sunday night, and we'd watch them together before I went to school on Monday. And I was a big Schumacher fan because, of course, his name was Michael, and he was winning, so I was super happy. Um, and then I, we started going to the V8 supercars in Adelaide. And as I grew up, I started to get more and more into the V8 supercars and more and more into F1. And then, um, once I started discovering endurance racing, I think the first endurance race I watched was the 2009 Daytona 24. And, uh, that was the year that the Brumos Porsche DP won. I had no idea what the DP cars were because they were I, I I just turned it on. I was like, oh, racing. And then, yeah, from there, discovered Le Mans. Well, I knew of Le Mans, but started watching Le Mans. And then when Porsche came into WC, I started watching WC. Hmm. Um, so apparently what's happened to Ollie is he's busted his router. So he's going to be a few minutes. His router is rooted. His, his router is routed. Uh, yes. So in the meantime, we'll jump to our next question uh, and we'll come back to Ollie a bit later on. The, the question comes from... Uh, someone who's a bit new to us, actually, uh, from the user Froggy76. He says, uh, just wanted to say thank you so much for the podcast. I'm relatively new to the world of sports car racing, and I've only been following since 2018. I stumbled across Endurance Chat since uh, as I was looking for info about the 2019 Rolex 24, and I've listened ever since. So thank you very much for listening, Froggy. And uh, yeah, we appreciate that your listeners and hope that you've found something useful from us. You would be the first. Um <laughs> Also, it's a shame I didn't know you before 2019 Rolex. Could have met you there. Yeah, you would have. You could have. You could have met Kiwi. Keep that in mind for next time you go to an event uh, like that, because there will probably be one of us there, maybe. Um, and he asked, anyway, his question is, what is your day-to-day professions? Uh, well, what were they before the pandemic? Um, are any of you <laughs> students uh, or are you career pilots in motorsport at all? So I'll let. Kiwi, take this one first. Kiwi, what is your day-to-day prof- uh, profession? So currently, now that I am back at work, my day-to-day profession is actually in sport management. Uh, I run competitions in touch football, community sport level. Um, have been doing that for about three years. Uh, did Bachelor of Sport Management at uni. And I'm currently doing a Master of High Performance Sport. Nothing to do with sports cars. At all. Yet. Yet. <laughs> Yet. But you never know. I want to get in that field, but it's not exactly an easy mm. place to get into. Yeah. So if you ever, if you've ever interacted with Touch Footy Victoria, you've probably interacted with Chris at some point. No doubt. <laughs> the guy, who, the guy who tells you off for not going to his competitions. 
<laughs> yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. Um, Cookie, seeing as you're here, what about you? What is your day-to-day profession and, and does it interact with racing at all? Good morning. Uh, not at all. Good morning. <laughs> good afternoon and good evening, everyone. Welcome to my late addition to this episode of Endurance Chat. Classic um, Cookie. No. I mean, there is a practical aspect to pretty much any um profession uh any i what do i want to say i guess that i'm in uh, that any field that my profession exists in there is an aspect of it where it could kind of wrinkle into anything so i could be in farming i could be in racing whatever uh information technology so computers are kind of everywhere and especially with uh, racing they can be there but i mean not really there isn't a like a direct like oh yeah there's an it guy that um you can kind of like immediately apply for but I know it's something that I've always kind of was like, all right, well, it's a field I'm into that has some applications racing, maybe, but nothing in a practical sense, like a journalist or uh, engineer or something like that. So, well, you could be a data analysis if you wanted to go that way. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was uh, someone. Someone said in the chat, another IT guy. There are tons here. Yeah. Well, welcome to the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Um, IT guys. Just quickly, Cookie, we've you've missed a question. The first question: Give us the TLDR on how you got into motorsports and how you got into endurance racing. Give us in three sentences. Go. Um, my parents didn't. My my parents had no idea. Uh, I guess how to uh soothe me if I was if I'd be crying when I was a baby and a kid. Um, and the only thing that they knew how to do was to put on a race because I would just get like mesmerized by it. And I liked a specific driver. So they literally had like two races that were recorded that he would win. They'd put them on if I was upset and I would like <laughs> get in a really great mood because he would win. So ever since I was a small kid, I was watching racing as like a form of like, I don't know, to make me feel better. <laughs> so like, I would control. say three or four. Yeah, so I was I was in a NASCAR when I was a like an infant. Um, I got a Formula One when I was like six or seven, and then switched to sports cars uh, right before college, just because I don't know. Like I said, I've I've always made the argument I just like endurance racing. It's like the next level kind of thing, and it's the uh, multi class racing slash the traffic is mm. the ultimate X factor for a driver's skill trying to set a consistent good lap time in a race trim. So. Nice. Thank that's you a for, technical that's answer for it, but yeah, there you go. No, that's a that's a it's a very measured response. It's very unlike you. I I appreciated that. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, you're good. really going to get that at this AMA for sure. All the rest of the answers are going to be super measured. Trust yeah. me. <sighs> oh, no. Um, and just to round off, uh, my training is actually in chemistry. I did a bachelor of science uh, a few years ago now, and was working as a lab technician and then uh that came to a close and i'm actually trying well i had started to dip my toes into working in motorsport journalism so i was actually doing some writing for daily sports car which you may have read at some point um around australian gt in the bathurst 12 hour and then i was going to do more of that and then all the racing got cancelled so i am currently unemployed yay uh if anyone who's actually worrying about me like i'm fine i'm not in need of any support but yeah it's it's a bit of a bit of a rough rough time time at the moment good so i mean hey I, I just want to say i mean some of the some of that stuff has been has showcased a good amount of writing talent blood oh thank good you amount of writing talent very well yeah. thank you yeah, i appreciate honestly, that if you were to take it as a career i reckon you could do that quite nicely oh you guys are so great i mean i don't need i don't need the <laughs> ego stroking but thank you <laughs> So we're here for Floyd. So yeah. Um, so ultimately, what you're saying is between us all, the three of us, very little motorsport pedigree. 
Uh, yes, but if if Ollie was here, he would actually have something important that he'd like to say. But he's yes. currently what is what is he up to now? He's he's trying to hotspot from his phone now, so his his router is completely cooked. Um, I'm, if he gets a bottle, of, one of those bottles of whiskey, <laughs> and uh, maybe, uh, uh, maybe maybe that liquid courage will help him figure out his hotspot. Remember when we were meant to be uh, had a run sheet for this sort of stuff? <laughs> Well, I, jo- I joined. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. Yeah, uh, Cookie joined and derailed the entire thing. Um, so while, while Ollie's trying to fix that, we'll skip to our next question. This is, comes from uh, Indecisive Rock. Thank you very much, Indecisive Rock. Um, this is a bit of a, a, a banter question. If you were given a monster truck and free entry to any race, <laughs> which race would you run it in to create the most chaos? Oh. Um... Can I answer that first? Yeah, go ahead. The floor is yours. Um, okay, so uh, easy, easy, because it's a grid of 43. It's a night race in August, and it's just coming up before the chase. I'm talking the Bristol night race, baby. Let's go. <laughs> and NASCAR. <laughs> Bristol night race and NASCAR. NASCAR. Is that a, is that a short track as well? The short track, yeah. Oh, it's, my uh, God. I think it's quarter mile short track or half mile short track. I was thinking Martinsville was a similar thing. Oh no! Ooh, that would be good too. But Bristol's got the banking, so you could legit kind of have half of the half of the truck on the banking, half the truck on the you know, kind of on the on the apron, and then you could just roll over everybody. That's on, are the, we, on the turn. Yeah. Important question: Are we going the right way or the wrong way around the track? I, does it matter what these things? <laughs> <laughs> You're a monster truck. Who cares? <laughs> um, I was gonna go like maybe if you wanted to chuck it at like Ipswich or something, like. <laughs> Sta- stadium super trucks at Ipswich with a monster truck in the middle of it. Or I was, was going to say um, Adelaide or the blind corners. You come around the corner, oh shit, truck. <laughs> or, yeah, or- remember guys, they do have four by four by four, so it's like a four wheel drive with the with the four wheel steering. So these oh, tight yeah. corners should be able. They should be able to make it. Ooh, ooh, that's good. Do we want to maybe? What What about if we took one to like Lime Rock? <laughs> Or oh, or Detroit, but, but, or, or Kota, but doesn't have to hit a track limit. Or if we went backwards up the corkscrew at Laguna Seca. Okay, okay, hold on. Here, here, here's a better one. And that, and again, I think we should stop with this question because this is going out forever. I'm going to stick with monster trucks, but I also want to go to a place that has uh, issues with uh, supernatural places, and then send the grave digger there. What? So whatever race we go to, not only is it bad for the race. The people that are watching the race are spooked by the car that's ma- making them race terrible. Bloody so there hell. you go. There's the double whammy. Brilliant. All right. There okay. we go. We got we'll, 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 of course, we're doing this in a round so we no one gets hurt. Yeah, maybe. Um, we'll backtrack. Ollie, do we have Ollie back? Are you back from the dead? Hopefully. Yay! Yes. He's here. Okay, Ollie, you missed a question uh, while fixing that up. Um, we got a question from one of our users. What is your day-to-day profession, and are you tied to motorsports at all? So, I am an engineer. Um, I work at McLaren Automotive. So, uh, just a quick refresher for people who don't who don't know. Who don't know uh, McLaren. Well, the the structure. So everyone's. It, it always goes. The quintessential one is always. I, I work for McLaren. Oh, cool! The Formula One team. No, the <laughs> road car company. And then my brother, who works elsewhere in the group, is another tier down. Uh, oh, so you work in the Formula One team? No. Oh, so you work for the supercar company? No. 
what do you do then? <laughs> and uh, it's like, yeah, it's 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 a it's a a, a trident of um, three companies. So you have the Formula One team, which is called McLaren Racing, and then you have the road car company, which also makes some race cars now, um, called Automotive. And uh, the, those race cars are derived from the road car products. So GT kind of racing, but also non-race car, uh, track-only specials. Yeah. Um, and um, and then there's uh, Applied, which was recently called Applied Technologies, um, if you have heard that before. Yeah. And that's kind of like a consultancy. Um, mm. They do high-tech things um like for example um uh battery technology yeah uh, formula e uses uh they used to use williams um advanced engineering batteries um the that's a kind of similar style of spin-off yeah um so yeah uh, so i do i'm, I'm an engineer uh, yeah cool nice so uh, so you're probably the one closest to the actual cars in motorsport out of all four of us because you're like literally just around the corner from them right um so the race the race operation in terms of formula one is in the same building yeah so i'm based in mtc but the um the gt racing is close to where mclaren used to be before mtc was built uh in a trading estate cool nice there you go so yeah that's that's what we do with with our lives um if chris was here the other chris was here he'd tell you he works at a hardware store so you know we're basically most of us are just fans really that's how we we got into this um back to back to some more fun stuff uh for everyone who what was your least favorite livery from the last 10 years or the last uh, of all time anyone anyone have a livery that that really pops off the top of their head as wow that's disgusting <laughs> I have one from V8 Land. Yeah, hit it. Tap out. Oh yes. So <laughs> that was that was their first race win as well. So the uh, yeah. for those who don't know, Erebus Motorsport they were racing Mercedes as a customer team when they were like first starting, and they had this big ugly tap out logo on this front of this Mercedes Benz, and that was the first race they won with this ugly tap out logo. Oh, it's disgusting. I agree. That's 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 awful. Anyone else? Any other liveries that pop off the top of your head is really disgusting? See, I feel like if it got to the point of being awful disgusting, I would probably enjoy it more than just some of the bland ones. Yeah, but, you would. Uh, it's kind man, of, I don't it's know. It's kind of like the the Baltimore flag, state flag, where it just gets so disgusting, it becomes quite <laughs> quite interesting. Yeah. It's just almost unique. So you, you've got to kind of be the 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 um in this weird zone where it's kind of like, yeah, you know. I, I mean, some of them are just odd. I mean, like the 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 Aston Martin uh, uh, Lola uh, Muscle Milk livery was oh, really the, weird. Oh, yeah. Muscle Milk is iconic. Oh, I, I mean, it's iconic, but it's still like a weird. Yeah, like, yeah, it was a weird combination. It, um, it looks quite. It makes ugly. the car look quite alien. Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't want to say the uh, race of a thousand years Audi. You talking about my? You talking about my crocodile Audi, buddy? It's a great art car, but... Why friggin' Steve Irwin's gonna come back from the grave to haunt you? Even All right, fine, fine, fine. BMW, BMW art car 2016. Oh, yeah, the fast that? car. Is that, is that fine? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. 
That's I think, that's mine. I think that car was like the art on that car was perfectly fit for purpose. It was just ironic wankery painted onto a car, yeah, which is yeah, made yeah, for exactly. ironic wankery people. It's a BMW. <sighs> it was basically <laughs> like a BMW BMW like art gallery at a sh- at like one of their uh, <laughs> at one of their dealerships personified on a race car. Yeah, basically. Like, um, anything with a bloody anime character on it. Oh, I think you just oh, angered a few yeah. people in the chat. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, I think I think sometimes it can be done okay. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's just or oh. so there are there are some liveries like in Japan and um in grassroots racing where it's just loads of random sponsors slapped everywhere mm. and it's really messy and there's no kind of coherent theme. Um yeah, well, I like style. That's something supercars in Australia suffers a bit from. Like, look at the, the super cheap auto car. There's so many sponsors, they all just sort of clash. I think that's because the super cheap auto car is literally selling uh, selling ad space to the brands that are affiliated with super cheap auto, which, which is why it's yeah. just a mess. That could be fair. Yeah. yeah, but also the super cheap auto color scheme is basically like the south african flag so it's kind of just a True. mishmash of all okay. colors yeah that's a good point well what um, they should do is just the bi this is just do the bi honda way which should just split the split the car down the middle and put one <laughs> oh, one livery on God. one side one livery on the other speaking that of was, that was horrible speaking of i actually think that's one of my least favorite liveries didn't mclaren do that one year for the 24 hours of spa francochamps where they had i think a, a split livery Stracker or was yeah. it the Garage 59 it was, it, no it was Stracker because by this point they were shit um, and it was a contest winner as well and oh, I, yes. I remember looking at that because it was like one half was like Thunder and the other half was normal Stracker I'm like that just looks awful and that what a contest they they chose that as the best that people could do and put that on a car really uh, the, and, and also because they were new to hashtags and Twitter they called it Spart Car Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Someone just posted a picture. Oh, Kiwis, in fact, just posted a picture yeah. of it in chat. And it's just, oh, it I, makes... I think it looks good without the without the sponsor stickers. Yeah. Like, just yes. as it oh, is there, it's bearable. But then when you put loads of sponsor stickers on it, it gets really confusing. And, and then, I of mean... course, the, the, like, the thunder imagery or the lightning imagery it had on it as well. Oh, yeah. Bad time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that transitions us very well into the next question. Thank you very much, Indecisive Rock, for those questions. The next question from uh, one of our uh, users, WD, uh, WBD Shumi. If you could be a car, which car could it be? Which car would it be? <laughs> and in which color? Okay. Okay. I think I'll, I'll go first uh, because I think I've already got an answer for this. Um, if I could be any car, I'd be an Alfa Romeo and I'd be in dark red because that's literally what people have told me ever since I got my car, which is a dark red Alfa Romeo Giulietta. They go, wow, that car is basically you in a car, isn't it? And I'm like, yep, yes, it is. It is just me as a car. <laughs> Looks and all. Nice. <laughs> Uh, give me the Scuderia Cameron Glickenhaus SG SCG zero zero. Let's say three, since it's the only one that's not it's active built. There you go. So it's bespoke, a, it's a bespoke American, bespoke American here. 
Correct. It's a modern it's a modern production vehicle that can go from point A to point B on the road, on legal roads very well, but then it also can go into race form. So there you go. <laughs> and what what color cookie? What Holy color? Modular. Uh white. Uh, because it's the most uh, indiscriminate of all white colors, and I probably won't get pulled over as much. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. It's a cold calculation flood. There you go. This is true. This is true. <laughs> Kiwi, what is it you just posted in chat? That oh, no. is a car. That is one of the few cars made in New Zealand. Oh, that's proposed to be made in New Zealand. It's the home F1. A what? Denny after Denny home. Oh, it's home. Yeah. Okay. SG- SCG003 without the roof. And a 7 litre V8 in it. Holy. It'll <laughs> <laughs> probably fall apart as well. Yeah, that's Chris. Yeah. That's Chris. And, and, it's, and for those who aren't in the chat at the moment, it's also, it basically looks like a, a back mono with a front wing in orange with a 7 litre V8. And it's, it looks about as good as Kiwi does in real life, which is to say not at all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what is it? Is it going to be going to be powered by the seven liter LS seven? Oh, you better you be, you better keep that color, Chris. <laughs> of course, oh. it's like, like keep going. It's McLaren orange. Why wouldn't I keep it? Oh, okay, sorry, not oh, disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Ollie? Anything you want to add to this before we move on? Um, how about an Aston Martin Valkyrie Le Mans hypercar in? Uh, oh. Uh, uh, he's he's going to be a unicorn, y'all. The Aston Martin ver- <laughs> version. No, I don't know, really. Um, it's got to be fast. Um, how about hey, 720S GT3X? It's pretty quick. A what? A GT3X. Huh. It's pretty quick. Yeah, well, there it's you go. Um, basically a de-restricted GT3. Oh, nice. That would oh, be... Yeah. Some, yeah. yeah. Well, um, Basically... <laughs> Take it this way. So the GT4 car has over 110 kilos of ballast added it added to it to get it to the GT4 base weight yeah. before any other ballast is applied. Um, oh and the, the 720S, yeah, the 720S has not as much because it's a, um, a heavier car than the the GT4 uh, 570S, um, but it still has a the floor is a steel plate. Uh, that takes three bent people bench pressing under the car to fit it. Jesus. Um, so <laughs> if you take that off um, and then, you know, dial up the power a little bit uh, to be f- faster than the road car, because it's dialed down to be the race car, um, you've got a nice little little machine. So much Jesus so that when Christ. it was tested at Monza, uh, everyone thought it was a super mega hybrid even though it was just the road car dialed Damn. up a bit wow you guys are all super high strung haven't you guys ever heard of just like cruising through life or is yeah. that just me <sighs> yeah i can my- cruise through life in like fourth gear with my pedal <laughs> off the off the off the accelerator man <laughs> well my second choice in chat has just been posted because it's about as slow as i am yeah that's true plp 50 nice yeah uh, bright pink uh, well, another question from Shumi. We'll move on. Uh, something a bit more discussion based. What do you think the sports car or WEC landscape will look like at episode two hundred of Endurance Chat? So we hit a hundred episodes after just after four years of doing this. So I think about in four years' time, where will we be? We twenty twenty four. Who knows what will be happening in twenty twenty four? Will we still be under quarantine? Uh, maybe not. Maybe universes will wiped out. Sorry, maybe humanity will have been wiped out by then. But what do we think? The world sports car landscape will look like in 2024. I feel, 
I feel I feel a cookie ranting coming. Yeah, I'm gonna keep it to one. I'm gonna keep it to <laughs> one thing. Because the sports car landscape could change everything. But I think the number one thing that we'll be talking about, well, okay, would have been hydrogen. Am I gonna still stay hydrogen as the talking point coming forward? I uh no. Okay, I'm gonna say no. We'll be probably talking about sustainability. Uh LMP two two point oh. Uh, if that is successful and genetic gets to bid in there to be a fourth mm. slash fifth constructor, I think that's a really good ecosystem. And you have almost 10 years on of that kind of stability. Will we see that extend to hypercar or to extend to the LMP former LMP one category? That'll be it. Otherwise I think hydrogen, I just think that it's, it's, it, there is enough momentum in the uh, OEM range and field that the ACO and FA are hard looking into that right now. I wouldn't be surprised if that's like the, on their number one priority list in yeah, four years. That, that would be close. The thing that I have, the problem that I have with hydrogen, unfortunately, is that like from a, chemist, a chemical perspective, the way that we make hydrogen at the moment is by breaking down fossil fuels into hydrogen anyway. So you're not really solving <laughs> that problem. If we if we can find a way to more efficiently make hydrogen that isn't from fossil fuels, then I think that conversation will become a lot more at the forefront. But the truth of the matter is, it is easier and cheaper and more effective to break fossil fuels down into hydrogen than it is to create hydrogen through electrolysis of water or through other methods which is the biggest problem at the moment with hydrogen uh yeah so that's that's the that's the real crux of that one for me um any other ideas guys um i think in terms of sports cars the next biggest thing will be hot swapping batteries Ooh, you love a good hot swap don't you what um (laughs) Um, but in terms of where the the sports landscape will be, or the sporting motorsport landscape will be as a whole, I see a lot more cost capping coming in. Mm. I think what we're going through now is going to be a massive wake up call to teams. Um, I've, I'm I'm going to predict now two or three GT series will not survive. Wow. Okay. If in, in the next, over the next three years, there'll be a convergence slash consolidation of the calendar down to a few down to significant events so like a vdv well that's dead now already but yeah there'll be other smaller ones will disappear i feel like australian gt might be one of those ones to suffer yeah let's not talk about australian gt because it makes me sad yeah um i see sort of the cost caps uh hard caps not soft caps so absolutely this is what you have for development that's it try to controls around that and i also hopefully we see a streamlining of worldwide calendars outside of just endurance motorsport bubble mm, that would be so good. people can because people we want to see people going from racing in australia to go race in indycar okay now we can go race in europe now we can go race at Le Mans. yeah and there's certainly desire for drivers to do that i mean like look at Chaz mm. mostert and shane van gisbergen and now scott mclaughlin uh who are yeah. trying trying their hands at all these other things Hmm. Yeah. What what about you, Ollie? Any anything that comes to mind that you would think? I think there's gonna be more of a move towards a kind of Creventic style uh of racing where it's really quite low cost uh in terms of how the races are run. Yeah. Um like for example pit lane rules and things like that to reduce cost and up the number of amateur drivers in the paddock and the amateur drivers pumping the money, I think there might be a bit of a more of a move towards those sorts of measures in the pit lane for smaller GT 
series to to keep um, finances sustainable. Yeah, uh, I think whatever happens, there will still be these star races still going on yeah, with whatever turns up. You know, so who knows what the state of a world championship for sports cars would look like. But we know for sure there will be a Le Mans 24 hours, even if it's run domestically. Mm. Um, there will be, it will happen. Uh, we'll just see. Uh, I, I also think the the pro, full pro landscape or the very competitive landscape will take a big hit. Um, I think, yeah, there's going to be a bit more of a shift towards pro-am and uh, like really heavily amateur oriented racing yeah it'll be interesting um to see where that takes us go ahead kiwi i was gonna say as well one thing i think we'll see change is the super silver problem getting resolved yeah because team well motorsport has always especially during my has always been funded by the rich ams coming in to play play and have fun we're getting rumours about it, or well, hearing murmurs that, you know, they're starting to get a bit annoyed at the Super Silver problem. David Hanemey, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I reckon there'll be moves in the very near future, especially now that people are going to be tighter with their money for the foreseeable future, to resolve that issue. Oh, yes, because one thing we always love talking about in endurance racing, uh, which I'm surprised hasn't made the rants, rants list, is... Uh, driver ratings and how all the malarkey mm. with driver ratings um yeah it, that, that'll be interesting i i think i i'd like to see ollie's vision come true a, a more amateur focus in racing um but the thing is of course you know part of what makes the top level of sports cars so intriguing is that it's the top level it's all professional so i hope that the full professional outfit doesn't go away entirely the thing that i'm interested to see happens is whether or not we go how sorry not whether or not but how quickly we make the transition from ICE to electricity because I don't I I think ICE is on its way out it's a matter of how quickly it gets phased out because of course if governments are legislating uh you know in the for future no combustion engine cars which I think there's been some already quite quite far off in relative terms dates set for no combustion in cities or in countries um it'll be interesting to see how quickly motorsport jumps on that bandwagon um will we see it in four years probably not but we may we will in some series so for example um there's probably going to be a spec hybrid in british touring cars oh wow Um, i would expect uh, maybe a tcr um to do the same now not like an etcr but as in like the the main tcr homologation um could be a potential there mm. um for like the wtcr and then there might be a, a hybrid a one without hybrid for caraventic or something like yeah, that to yeah. keep the cost down um i do potentially see um a gt3 future with hybrid not with GT4 because of the costs. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, though, a GT4 is supposed to be very close to the road car. And if the road car has a hybrid unit, then there's an argument that to keep the change content 
um, than the, G- than the GT4 car, the, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think if you want to keep things relevant, like you say, um, the road car market is, is changing quite a lot. So if you want to make sure it's it's ahead of the curve, then but at the moment it's behind mm, because, definitely. you know, you've got things like the Honda NSX that has the hybrid unit removed. Um, if you want to kind of make sure that you're you're riding the curve or you're ahead of the curve, you can uh, have a look at hybridization. The trouble is then you get uh, the, the sustainability question. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's 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 really where the balance is at the moment in sports cars. It's sustainability versus performance, or sustain, mm. sustainability versus technology. And I think definitely in at Le Mans, the the scale has always sort of been tipped slightly towards more the technology side, even in area times of lean uh, entries. But we've seen a big big swing back towards sustainability and to cost capping with uh with the current lmp1 landscape things like converge uh, convergence lmdh hypercar and in fact that's our next next question uh thank you for that question by the way uh shumi uh thank you for those questions um chili 112 actually asks what is everyone thoughts on hypercar and lmdh and convergence we'll keep them brief for now we'll probably have a time in the future where we can go more depth into what this all means and what's happening and what we think of it but at, at face value at the moment, looking ahead towards the future, what do people think about LMDH, about convergence, about the hypercars? Yeah, what, what, what do people feel like? I think it's hard to say what how I feel because in six months' time, the landscape might be different. I mean, <laughs> um, yeah, who knows what anything means at this point in time. But the fact that we're going to have potentially a common rule set across both continents is absolutely no-brainer. LMDH is such a stupid acronym, but it's another yeah, argument. Right. <laughs> but that, I think, is... Pros- I hate to say it, but possibly the way to go. Yeah, well, the thing that I'm finding difficult to contend with is it's been proposed as a solution, but there really isn't any other solutions that people can really get anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's kind of like we have to kind of go with this because what else can we do? Mm-hmm. Is my thought. What about you, Ollie? Any any thoughts that you have about that? Okay, so this this frustrates me um, on several angles. Okay, here we go. Um, Everyone, strap in. We're about to get our first rant of the evening. Well, it's not necessarily a rant. It's it's quite. It's just like there's so much scope for epic race cars that are interesting to so many more people with a more potential than LMDH. Like you, you have an envelope where you can actually do stuff. Um, you can design a car from the ground up, which is what LMP one, you know, should be in hmm. terms of OEM racing. Um, and then the aspect of, you know, really racing, taking your road car, your your halo car racing like glickenhaus that is something that i really can get behind and find exciting about le mans hypercar if you think about balance of performance um coming into the top class and yeah, from a design mm. perspective you're going to have a letterbox um and you're designing the car it's quite difficult because you're like 
you got to throw a dart through a letterbox when you're designing a car and that yeah. letterbox is the, the kind of performance window and it's quite difficult because you're throwing it from far away um you don't necessarily know how your car is going to end up um as you design it but you can still design it with with that letterbox in mind yeah um for your class whereas if you're doing LMDH you're subject to the constraints that an LMP2 tub can give and then with the LMH the Le Mans hypercar you know um unrestricted underbody there's so much scope for some interesting stuff yeah and i think there's if if people were willing to have a go um even with a lot less of a budget compared to what was over the last decade they could do some really exciting stuff the trouble is we're kind it's kind of mistimed where yeah. um we are not in the same cycle of hypercars as it were in inverted commas i don't like the term but whatever um these top level sports cars remember the the amazing uh content when porsche and ferrari and mclaren came up with their three pretty much close together the holy trinity was, yeah yeah there was a lot of buzz in the the road car sort of market about these the competition between these three and if you aligned uh, the, the, these kind of cars come in waves yeah and cycles and if the hypercar aligned with the next wave it would then have been perfect I yeah think we would it would have been more perfect whereas it's been brought early and the only thing they could rely on that's kind of breaking the this cycle was the valkyrie um and we've seen how that's turned out already exactly so um i i had uh, I, and i still have um confidence in the lmh uh, regulations i don't have confidence in um many oems taking it up unfortunately but if i had a lot of money and i wanted to go racing in a convergence formula i would pick limo hypercar because from an engineering perspective you have a lot more flexibility to do whatever you want to do you're unconstrained and also lmdh doesn't really excite me dpi yeah. doesn't excite me yep it's the only car that peaks and interest is the Mazda because it's different to the LMP2 but they, they were forced to do that because the LMP2 was so shit <laughs> if I mean, the LMP2 yeah. was okay then they wouldn't have changed it so much yeah so basically it's an LMP2 with an engine swap yeah exactly and now I'm, I'm watering it down and saying it too too quickly but at a base level that's kind of all it is um if you had more now now lmdh they're opening up uh, and trying to push the oems to to make them more uh, relevant to road models and make more changes over the lmp2 but if you want to save money you're just going to use the same yeah. lmp2 parts like the acura the, the, the acura dpi is an orica 07 all of the parts are the same except for the front end um, and the engine and and the engine and the suspension uh there's the dampers more more specifically yep everything else is the same there's so much opportunity um to to develop and design and 
uh, add a little extra for people like me. Now I might be an, a, a rarity in the sport, someone like me that in, enjoys this kind of thing, but having them side by side with, you know, an, uh, an LMP2 Pro-Am yeah. car, it's just, it's a bit boring. Now yep. there's an argument that LMP1 Privateers, I enjoy them uh, and they are basically the same thing, but I feel like there's more done to them than with the DPIs over the their mm. LMP2 bases, um, that there is more interest to be found. Um, and also there's the uh, the development during the season, which kind of adds a little extra, which yeah. we will be unfortunately losing. And mm. that's something that I'm uh, quite sad about. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, Ollie, the thing we, is with your entire argument is that... Uh, as someone has said in the chat, as Alex has said in the chat, no one wants to design a race car. Engineering doesn't sell cars anymore. People, the people, the reason people are attracted to LMDH is because it's marketing and it's cheap marketing. It's extremely cheap marketing. You basically get a full car and put an engine in it and put some bodywork on it and you go racing. Um, but that uh, I think that's um, underestimating the intelligence of certain OEMs customers. Um, well, I mean, look at look at their target market, Ollie. Remember who they're talking about? Here. Also, <laughs> well, maybe an, an American target market, but a European target market. <laughs> but also, um, one thing you mentioned there, Ollie, is if you had unlimited money. Unfortunately, it's not going to be many people with unlimited money yeah. anymore in in. Well, car if you're running a supermarket or or selling. PPE right now, you, you'd be able to afford an LMH. So what you're saying is that we should expect Jumbo Racing LMH for next season? There we go. Yeah, like, Jumbo. Cole's are, Racing from Australia. They're going to be oh, they're making bank right now, I'm sure of it. And this, you know, two-car LMP2, then maybe... Uh, Put Fritz in an yeah, LMP1 car, a bespoke LMP1 car. Fritz Dude, versus Hedman in the LMP1. Oh, God. I could see it. Uh, okay, yeah. we haven't heard from the American in the room for a little while. Cookie, give us your thoughts. Uh, Convergence hypercar, TLDRs. Yeah, I mean, it. Um, you know, uh, Ollie was asking if anybody else is like that. I'm like that. Mm. Um, so I think, I've been I, like that for a while. Yeah, so. I think I think the racing purist in all of us wants LMH to work because it's bespoke cars. Yes, it's BOP, but BOP is fine. Um, and if you hate if you hate BOP, stop watching sports cars because you're wrong. Uh, LMP1, I'm a little shaky about BOP LMP1, but yeah. But like you know, it's bespoke, it's engineering. That's where the cool stuff happens. But unfortunately, that stuff costs money. Yeah, I. Uh, that's 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 obviously the reason why we're in this argument in the first place is money. Money was too high for pretty much anybody to join and everybody that was able to join couldn't sustain it for very long. And you've set that bar that high to have to spend that money pretty much to win back a little bit of that money. So mm. yeah, the argument is definitely there that we have to do something because car counts are going down and money's the pretty much ma major variable. Um, I think maybe another thing would be in five years that we lament how, how much of an opportunity LMH was maybe with a better price point, just because of the fact of everything that Ali was saying, like most of his bullet points were pretty much stuff that I've repeated for the most part. Um, 
the the aspect too is that I think LMH has an advantage, especially at Lamar, maybe even at Daytona. And this is going to be the really weird X factor when these this convergence hits is how they try to BOP LMH because, in my opinion, LMH may in fact be the fastest category by far, even with BOP, just because of their massive hybrid. Uh, uh, advantage and because remember, they're going to have such a huge advantage even if it's not limited or if it's if it is limited remember just so. quickly before before ollie re- rebuts what cookie just said there's still no confirmation that lmh will be allowed in imsa so they might just shut the door yes. and yeah anyway ollie you was about to say or was that the point you were gonna make yeah no i was i was gonna um just remind that one of the reasons why um uh, LMH was a bit, uh, a bit crappy. Was the the hybrid rules where it kind of re- removes the 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 advantage mm. of the uh, the hybridization, such that the Valkyrie um, Aston Martin road car has a hybrid unit, but um, would um, uh, would have it removed as a race car. Yeah. So had it made yeah. the grid. Yeah. Um so there are there are things that, that frustrate me in the in LMH, you know, where you're trying to cater to so many OEMs that you kind of water it down and and appease no one at the end of it. Yeah. Which is kind of the life we're living at the moment. Who knows what'll happen in the future. But then yeah. LMDH might follow the same fate. You know, there are so many OEMs looking at this and they're all got their they've all got their own agendas. And their own requirements that they say, "Oh, we'll join if X, Y, Z." Yeah, um, mm. a, a good example that Alex in chat pulls out is hybridization in NMDH. Yeah, the same questions are being said there. You know, are we doing high power, low power? Uh, what kind of batteries are we using? What kind of motors are we using? Are we doing spec? Are we doing it open to development? That kind uh, of thing. Spec you can't and low. make everyone happy. Yeah. Well, right, right, exactly. But my point was that there are variables that are still baked into these regulations that differentiate LMDH and LMH that I think still give LMH the full full bread advantage, even if you could yeah. zero out their lap time. Because okay, fine, you're right. Hundred up to 120, it does take away from the hybrids. It still doesn't take away the massive uh like power advantage you're gonna have, even if IMSA goes quote unquote high power, which I I've, I've read is like 200 around there we're not talking anywhere near what toyota porsche or audi were running with their hybrid units let alone whatever toyota are thinking of doing with this one and the fact that they can still use it at basically you know around 100 miles an hour and up to almost over 200 and they can bob and weave through traffic still at at a literally buttons press is going to be a huge advantage that it cannot oh, yeah. be really calculated in qualifying or in practice sessions if toyota don't want to reveal that and that's the thing that yeah. I don't think everybody's getting is that Toyota still have an advantage over everybody else by just being in this class and having that ability to use the hybrid button at like eighty five percent. Yeah, I, I agree. The and 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 one thing that that I'll clarify my position on hybridization is I fell in love with this sport from the wacky gains and designs and improvements made in the hybridization era yeah you know three different types of hybrid with the ridiculous um gains made over time in efficiency in power density in energy density of the batteries for example 
and and that was the the forefront of technology and everyone looked at this kind of racing as wow look what they can do is yep. this going to impact the the road cars mm. um you know is this is this what racing is going to become yeah yeah but if is this what road cars are going to become whereas now being near the forefront of hybridization technology for road cars we're, yeah we're the backwards. hybridization of road cars will be way ahead of the hybridization of race cars in terms of the performance and it's kind of a bit boring you know you would take a high performance sports car that you want to turn into a hypercar and to to meet the regulations of the batteries and the motors and stuff you add ballast to the to the battery because you, your battery's too good yeah and take out a two-thirds of the cells or whatever yeah it's kind of you like know, almost it, punishment for it, being good yeah yeah and it's not it's taking away the the pinnacle and the the example that uh and the development that um the racing uh, um programs can offer and then just moving it towards general road car development because yeah. um it, yeah i i completely agree yeah, because it, it it sort of becomes you know you're not using sports cars to as a development project anymore. You're using it just to sell cars as as opposed to make things good, which you can then put in cars to sell. So yeah, it's kind of you going backwards with your technology to go racing. Um, yeah, because I I completely agree. the The reason I fell in love with the WEC was because of the hybrid era and the racing that produced. Not only the racing that produced, but the technology behind it and. Yeah, that's as much as it pains me the fact that we're going backwards with LMDH and convergence and blah 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 blah. I would still rather see race cars out there than not, and I think that was quite legitimately what we were going to be faced with. Though is the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But you know, and again, I think from Molly's perspective too. Like, I maybe. Wait or not, this is pretty extreme. I would have loved to be at this point where we were just not even talking about uh, like I like internal combustion engine horsepower mm. in general in terms of any factor whatsoever. Just a as long as we can measure and you can reach a certain brake horsepower limit, you know, equivalency brake horsepower limit, and you can add, you can add those up with that with any various systems you want to throw in this stupid car for a way to power it go for it. That's where we're at right now. Like that's where the trajectory for Lamas should have gone in terms of development for these car companies, uh, engineering firms, um, you know, space companies, whatever, because we're literally getting to that point where these companies should be interested in some of the things that uh, these cars are utilizing and could utilize their services and maybe test out new systems in, in theory for them. But we're not seeing that because it's, we're den- we're actively denying people. We're yeah. trying to make it so that there's only one make, and he's making it very, very dummy like, and he's making it very, very cheap and very, very like low end, so that people can afford it and understand it basically, so that we're you know half in the door, foot in door, that kind of thing. So that that's where if we had the ability to do this and allow it to be a thing, where we could have been. But you know, look, it's just the real world, and you know that's just not. Yeah. something maybe attainable but yeah well, yeah i don't know it's 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 a it's a full episode discussion yeah, yeah exactly uh, that was just about it's gonna what keep about changing to it's gonna keep changing yeah and just stay stay on board for all the updates especially in the next 
six months because yeah, who, who knows what's gonna happen that was just about what i was gonna get towards so we got we could do a whole episode just talking about everything about lmdh we've been talking about it for like 15 minutes now so we'll move on um to the opposite end of the technology spectrum we've got a question from hwf0712 who's someone who's been in the voice chats uh in the wc discord for quite a, quite a lot in the last few weeks so if you see them say hi to them she asks why is grand Am the best sports car series of all time it's not. Nope. Yep. Okay, let's crack right on. Uh- uh, I'll make an argument. Hold on. I, I wouldn't do my, my good, good and old friend Mike uh, Mike Dumore. Because we're using Nevada hot dice for people in the chat as well. Uh, if he uh, if he ever shows his face again. He has loved Grand Am for God knows how long. Um, and he's made all the arguments for it. He's the only one in RWC who's got a, a DP flare. <laughs> yes, I, I remember that. <laughs> that was that was because a Le Mans I, contest winning flair as well, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, it is. It it knew at the perfect time, especially for American sports cars. It kept American sports car racing alive, in my opinion, just because ALMS is amazing. But I don't think it would have been able to survive in the way it did to 2013, 2014 if Grand Am wasn't there and kept Daytona fully on the map fully healthy that kind of thing like it filled the gap perfectly for what it needed to do um you know and basically kept that portion of fans very very happy and active on their end while allowing the aco kind of series to do its thing and to cultivate its own kind of fan base so i think that was great um it was extremely cheap it brought um really really high caliber race teams into either back into sports car racing or into sports car racing um, and it, it gave a really good avenue and seat time for IndyCar drivers and NASCAR drivers to try sports car races. Um, they were really, really close battles. Mm. Uh, I would say the t- 2004 season, um, if you can watch most of those races, were absolutely fantastic because there was really, really good inter, not, in, not even inter-team competition, but just competition from everybody because the chassis development was just so new and everything like that. So yes. Um, and then the GT racing was like good too. It was very good. Cheap. It was like, um, uh, IMSA's, uh, lower category, yeah. what it used to be. The, uh, street, uh, street tuner category, yeah, yeah. kind of like that. So they used to have like yeah, I, Caymans running against RX eights in the GT yes. category for some reason. Um, but, um, and then 2000 and it gave some really crazy races at Daytona because yeah. for a good couple of years, they couldn't keep them running. And so the GTs kept winning. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. Yeah. Well, there you go. Say, those are, those are my positives for yeah, that. Yeah, I was about to say my first ever proper endurance race that I watched start to finish was the 2009, uh, 24 hours of Daytona. The one that, uh, I think it was Brumos race racing one. And that went down to the absolute wire. And that was what got me into proper endurance racing as opposed to just the endurance racing I was exposed through like the Bathurst 1000 and stuff in my neck of the woods. So it definitely served a purpose. We can say that much. Anyone, does anyone else have any good points about Grand Am besides like, <laughs> because, because uh, really I'm just grasping at straws here. Like the oh, cars, the, ca- were the, cars of- the, the cars looked amazing. <laughs> oh, if, um, if your definition of amazing is, Oh, my two-year-old blind stepdaughter could make this. Yeah. Hey, I don't know. A lot of modern art looks like my two-year-old blind stepdaughter could could make, and that sells for quite a mint. 
and then like no it's 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 it was molded to that and then the engineers like wait how do we make this like actually in a re- okay we'll just put like a weird indie car like rear wing on there okay and uh all right <laughs> they, we'll just they make the, these they're like doors. they almost look like super trucks except with like a sports car nose that's the kind of like because they got that flat back to them as well oh what a what a stupid or or that or which was the one that had the uh the uh Penske Acura, like front wing oh, with the oh. like the lip in the middle. Oh, oh that was the, oh. The, the the tiny BMW kidney beans that look like a smiley face as well, just because of the BMW power. We got to have them on there. Yep. Uh, classic Grand Am. <laughs> oh, let's there, forget well, that. I've talked way more about Grand Am today than I ever thought I was going to. Yeah, so well, there you go. You thank question. thank you, HWF, for your stupid, stupid question. <laughs> <laughs> but please thank, stay listening to us we yeah <laughs> um okay we'll, we'll start with we've got the next spell of questions we've got a bunch of fun ones in a row because i think i feel like after a few few rants and a few big discussions that we had let's have a few fun ones so uh kinky Mulsan asks uh he asks us a bunch of questions we'll start with these two first what's your guilty pleasure in motorsport what is the most obscure series or event that you sit down and you enjoy watching uh, because you love it, not because it's good. F one. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh nah. that's hot take. <laughs> nah, I'm not even. I'm not that hot a taker. Uh, who wants to start? I mean, I I, I have one. If you guys, yeah, do it. One. Um, if you say NASCAR, you know, I, I swear. No, no, no. And, and and you can't say uh, you can't say Chris's favorite uh obscure sports car endurance event either. Or the what is Palanga, thousand and six. Palanga, yeah. yeah. It's like saying pa- Patagonia. That's a that's a, <laughs> that's a clothing <laughs> manufacturer, right? Right. Uh, <clears throat> mine is, and I, we play this every, I believe, either Thursday night. I think it's Thursday night after night practice at Petite and Sebring at our campsite. The nineteen nineties Rakow Hill Climb. What? What? <laughs> Yes, uh, it's where a bunch of Bavarian buffoons uh, all gather in a Austrian valley uh, where there are ancient legends about uh, evil spirits that whisk the, uh, it's like young, attractive women of the village into the mountains. And so people then have to hill climb the mountain to retrieve the last, bring her down, blah, blah, blah. So what they do is every year they assemble a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, and a lot of young, like, oh. German, Austrian, Swiss guys in this valley. And then they all, like, dig a rut up the side, very, like, 40 to 50, 45 grade incline. What? And they just run dirt bikes up it and see how far they can get. <clears throat> and if they fall down, they fall pretty much back down to the mountain side so what uh eurosport decided for for like four year four or five years to send a camera crew there basically record the weekend and then they have various commentators commentate it essentially for you know just eurosport the uh british contingency for the english version was martin haven oh martin haven smack talking these morons that are doing this and again it is half half um serious, half fun. So some of these people will bring like chariots, like they'll make two dirt bikes as chariots with a dude in like a chariot, like in the back riding. They'll, they'll make one with a horse and carriage, like the Wild West, like for settlers. So there's like an actual like wagon in the back, and so they're like they tried to do that. There was one that modeled it after Star Trek USS Enterprise, um, but then others like get hurt, and then they of have course, like a dude yeah. that skis down it. Skis. 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 What? 
Like it's just like it's snow. Jesus. He skis it like it's snow. Yeah. So, so this is like a mixture between cheese rolling, uh, which I'll yes. explain later, and yes. uh, the Red Bull soapbox race. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This is this is like this. This Red Bull would have sponsored the crap out of this had they wow. done it back then, before everybody got injured and they stopped doing because this stopped happening in like 2003. They stopped doing it. Jesus. So. Yeah. But it's on yeah, YouTube. Taking, they have a bunch of different clips of this. This is it's like the, the a motorized version of cheese rolling, where uh, in in reverse as well, where yeah. you, you start at the top of a big hill and then you fall down basically a grassy cliff face after a a, a wheel of cheese goes before you, um, <laughs> and yeah, this is, looks like the same but with engines. <laughs> Jeez, no, it's. It's, hel- it's absolutely hilarious. Well, wow. I, I had I mean... low hopes going into this question, but geez, Cookie just blew them out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> like, my answer of Aussie racing cars is pedestrian compared to that. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, it, the reactions we get it from people when we play, because I've got a projector and so like our campsite, we've got like a place to play uh, like old old races pretty much. So we'll do the petite races at Petite and Sebring, obviously at Sebring. But we'll put this on for like an hour. We'll get like a crowd that watches it, and they'll just be laughing their asses off watching this shit. It's because it's just funny. Like we're all <laughs> drunk anyway by that time, so it's a wow. great like just just put put your feet up and just enjoy it. Like Dude, and it's still motorsport. Like, I come on. need to come. I need to come to Petite and just experience this with you once. Just holy shit! You're making Petite sound <laughs> does it, like. Does it count? Does it count Martin as a motorsport? Haven- if, if oh yeah if does it count does it count as a motorsport if like the contestants are disconnected from their motor vehicle for the majority of the time <laughs> no it, it's it's the way that they the, the way that we've understood that they rated this because martin haven still doesn't understand how they do this he's just and again he's the he's the golden like trim on this entire like amazing presented cake like basic he just he will start like halfway through he was kind of like I don't know how to really do. Okay, this is hilarious, and he just starts like he he just kind of read the script or seen a little bit beforehand, so he just starts queuing things up beforehand, and then just like sending jokes off like as they're as they're happening on screen, like it's hilarious. Wow! But they basically rate this as the bike, how far the bike goes. So you can just send the bike like another uh, five ten meters. Good for you, you made it. But the bike might just come flying back down, and hit you in the face. So. <laughs> Yeah, Far it's out. fantastic. But they still keep score. They've got like corner, you know, they got markers up. So what? Oh, I love it, guys. I love what? It. Wow. Okay. I don't think anything I had was going to top that. I was going to say Hyundai Excel was in Australia, but like, nah. It's... <laughs> Jesus. <Kaboom. laughs> Humanity yeah. has peaked. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Cookie just wins. I think we just move on. I think we just move on to the next question. Okay, next question, I, guys. I um, okay, another one from Kiki Musan. This one's a bit of a, 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 a mouthful, so let me, let me get it all out. You can pick one track in the world that you would like at, and relocate it so that way it's 15 minutes away from your house. But its original spot is filled with a perfect copy of one track you absolutely despise for all eternity. Which track do you relocate to be near your house and which piece of crap gets replaced with it to annoy you as twice as much for the rest of your life? So I've got an answer for which track I'd like to move close to me and that would be Istanbul Park. Because if Istanbul Park was in Adelaide, I would spend literally my entire life there because that's probably my favorite track Mm. in the world and no one uses it anymore because let's not talk about Turkey. Yeah, It's a storage unit. 
for cars. It, yeah, literally, literally. So if we bring Istanbul Park to Adelaide, what do we then put at Istanbul Park to not ever get used in the entire history of the world ever again? Ipswich. A park and ride? <laughs> I was going to vote for Sebring. What? <laughs> I just don't like Sebring, okay? But Ipswich is probably a better choice. What other tracks do I just abominably hate? I don't know. I don't really have too many strong feelings about tracks. I was well. I was gonna say Paul Ricard can go can go bugger off. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, oh. Paul Ricard can shove it. I don't know. Paul Ricard produces some nah. great racing, and half the point is because it's a car park, so you can just use all the road sometimes. Mm. Okay. Like I mean, the blank paint races that have been there have been friggin' amazing. Can can we can we just take? Ooh. The home of British motorsport. Hey, hey, you went Sebring, so I feel yeah, like I can give my controversial opinion. I was. What about the? Can we? Can we just take the road circuit from the Las Vegas Motor Speedway? <laughs> just take the strip, put it in Istanbul, and then just leave this dirt road in the middle of Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, wait, uh, wait. You mean the the uh, roval of Las Vegas Motor Speedway, or the uh, Formula One road course of what is it? Oh, the Roval. the Roval. You want the Roval. That is a really bad... <laughs> no, uh, Kansas, dude. You want Kansas' oh, no. Roval. Oh, Kansas' Roval is so bad. It is yes. so bad. If, if, you, if you do not know Kansas' Roval configuration, please look at it. It is bad. Did someone want to do the honors of posting it in chat so I can describe it for people at home? Oh, it's, um, it's horrifying. I'm doing it now. Okay, um, so that's my vote. Istanbul Park comes to my house, and something I don't like most probably, uh, most probably something like, uh, yeah, a crappy road course or like poor card, even mangy cores or just something really boring can go go Istanbul Park. Okay, let's see, Kansas City Oval. So where is the start line? Is that the, the tri oval there? Is that where yeah. the start line is? Okay, so yeah. it's like an it's a, basically imagine small Daytona, and then instead of Instead of anything interesting, you come off the oval, there's a very open S-band that takes you all the way back to the other side of the oval where you do a U-turn, and then you come back basically onto the oval again. It's just... There's a couple of chicanes. Yeah, it's like like if Daytona had an internal penis is what this track looks like. Mm. Mm. Um, Well, I know. know. What would you you do, Chris? I would happily... Ship off the Melbourne Grand Prix circuit. Oh, and what would you replace Ooh. it with? I would replace that with Barbagallo. You'd bring Barbagallo to Melbourne, yeah. Well, remember, technically it's Warnaroo now. You gotta remember, uh, true, it's Warnaroo. But I, I love Barbagallo, and yeah, nice. it's and it's every other track in Melbourne in Australia I can almost get to. Yeah, that's a good point. Barbagallo, I can't, and our online racing we commentated on weeknights. Was it Barbie Gallo last week? And that's solidified how damn good a racetrack it is. It is a, it's just a good noodly little track. It's just, it's just yeah. like, it's like seven corners, but it, all of them have some character. Nice, good mm. choice. Um, what about you, Ollie? Which which track would you bring to your home, and which track would you replace with crap? I think you could make a really nice Nordschleifer in the Surrey Hills. <laughs> <laughs> And what is Germany get? I am right now. Damn, um, yeah, yeah. And what what new yeah. twenty one kilometer for configuration of a track are you making in the Eiffel Mountains? I I think I think it's a good 
good shout as a track that should be replaced with a crap one because it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> so like no one would ever need to go there anymore. Yeah. Um, also residents that are really pissed off about noisy race cars, they'll be quite chill because no one will race there. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh Oh yeah, I think I think Sebring should be banished. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not just me, everyone. It's not just yeah. me. Mm. What's going on here? Sebring's just not interesting. It's a pan. It's a bumpy pancake. That's all it is. There is no interesting parts of the circuit besides the bumps. When no, uh, when a resurface yeah. will actively deteriorate the racing product, you know you yeah. have a bad circuit. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's I, d- I don't thing. like Daytona either. Um, you could probably hide it in a hillside somewhere um, <laughs> up in those mountains. And just, just just turn turn yeah. the, Kleiner, the the Kleiner carousel, just take the banking off the Kleiner carousel and just put it in yeah, the speedway. Yeah, just run, run a road course in the carousel um, and <laughs> try and just shoehorn something in there. Um, yeah, I just think just hide it up in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is great. Kogi, how does the Sebring hate make you feel? Um, yeah, I knew it was there. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you you definitely can make an argument, but that's that's like the whole that's the whole beauty of it. So yeah. that's why you want it there. You want you want something like that. So um, kind of why people didn't like when they broke up Bristol because it was uh, it was a terrible bumpy track, but it had a character to it. So. Yeah. I was gonna say Sebring's got enough interesting corners on its own that it's not that bad. Sure. Uh, I think the only the only part of Sebring I like when racing it on Sims is turns thirteen and fourteen, the kind of double left handed sweeper into the second part of the concrete. Um, turn ten would be a great spot to view out. In fact, I know Cookie that you view the race at turn ten, um, but I just I just don't like the track. I just really don't like it. There's ah, oh, it's just not. Yeah. Well, I, it's it's a it's a difficult track, and it does need a lot of attention to put in a good lap time. Yeah, and a lot of is... the corners are just you like in my like I can see the argument where they're just not enjoyable nah. corners in terms of racing. But, but see, see, okay, here's 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 a counter argument I have for you. We should do this in another episode. But I'm doing it now. Bathurst is also a difficult la- a track, but when you pull off a lap of Bathurst in a sim, you feel like you've got the biggest dick on the planet. When you pull off a good <laughs> lap of Sebring in a sim it's just like i've got to do that again there's no there's no like you know sense of accomplishment or anything because it's just there's just no it's just it was tough it was it was it was tough and you're like how in the hell am i gonna put that lap in again and that's the whole point of why sebring's amazing is because it is drawing so much out of you from what you assume should be so little yeah but it's just like like you don't ever feel like you're on the limit it's just it's just so sort of like oh i guess i gotta uh, uh, uh." watch watch your your tunes change the older you get the more laps you put on that regardless i know you're gonna probably try not race there but you will still hate there anyway and you will still you will like you'll start to like it okay no i hate it hate it hate it hate it hate it hate it i hate it almost as much as this next question that we're gonna have this one's from mw clarkson and He's taken inspiration from the Marshall Pruitt podcast here. They got a segment, uh, a podcast on Marshall Pruitt podcast called uh, "Who the Hell Are You?" And I, I feel like this is. He's told me this is one of the common questions here. So, how do we do with this one, guys? If you were sentenced to death by overconsumption, would you choose death by cheeseburgers 
or death by blowjob. Okay. <laughs> now, question one. Where are these cheeseburgers from? Oh, that's a great question. Where are these cheeseburgers from, Kiwi? Because if they're from McDonald's, then sorry, I can't take cheeseburgers as an option. <laughs> I think the more pressing questions is, are you giving or receiving the blowjobs? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had Danica Patrick on in that podcast, and you can <laughs> draw your own conclusions from what how the question was modified. But this cheeseburger I've just posted in chat, does this count as a cheeseburger? If so, that's my poison of choice. Wow, okay. You choose that. Cheese. Uh, yeah, Where's it's got... Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's a chip butty. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that kind of makes sense. That, that, that you know... $2 from Hungry oh, yeah. Jacks, get on it. Yeah. Well, if no, if I, if I had to choose death by cheeseburger, I would want it to be like the most immaculate f***ing cheeseburger I could get. And I just realized I swore, so too bad. This is going to be explicit. <laughs> the most immaculate cheeseburger I could get. Because I want, if I'm going to die, I want to go out enjoying it the best I can. So I think, Ollie, we were having a very brief discussion about this yesterday. You came up with something that would fan- would fancy my tastes. So um, is this overconsumption in one go? Like in a explosive um, blaze of glory, as it were? <laughs> or, or, or is this, you know, a slow burn, gradually giving you heart disease kind of thing. Well, I feel, I feel like I feel like for most people, the, the overconsumption by cheeseburger is just a way of life already if it's just a slow burn on a way to okay. heart disease. I think, <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's, I feel like it's, you have to keep eating until you die. Okay, so then right, in okay. that case, it'd be this one for me, the KFC Double Down. Oh my God, Chris, you're an absolute <laughs> monster. So what, what Chris has just posted in the chat is just imagine if you had a cheeseburger, but instead of a bun, it's just chicken. <laughs> uh. anyway ollie you were telling us a great story about a cheeseburger oh uh, so yeah i i i generally uh don't like um this kind of fast food so um you might think then i'm automatically uh, reverting to um death by bj but i i had an experience you had an experience. Um, I had I had an experience. It was it was fantastic. Uh, it was sloppy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a it's a, a a brilliant establishment called uh, Dip and Flip. And um, imagine every time you flip the burger, you dip it in gravy. Oh my and, god! And then you also get a, a bathtub of gravy to dip your burger into oh, and wow. it's just you I'm you've not got so, that, that there's sometimes where you do something and you just feel really dirty afterwards <laughs> and you're like wow did i just do that uh, this is it but in culinary form filthy. and i had i took i picked up the burger once and then i put it down to have a fry and then i looked at my hands and just thought there's no point cleaning. Like, my <laughs> I, I'm with, just in now. Paper towels each time. Yeah, I'm in too deep, literally. And <laughs> um, just, yeah. You just oh, got to power oh. through it. Yeah. Just, wow. Just, oh. So, okay. so, so, if you if you if if you're not in chat with us, what what Ollie's just posted is basically a burger in which the contents there's so many contents that it's actually spilling over the side, and adjacent to it is a puddle of gravy. That might just be my favorite, my favorite image on the internet. 
I, I, I think I, I think I can hear hear Kiwi's heavy breathing over his mic at the yeah. moment. That is, that, that is equally part horrifying and looks bloody delicious. Oh my god! So you choose you choose that you choose death by that. Well, I think so. Yeah, fair enough. It was it was it was amazing. <laughs> uh, basically, equivalent to a sexual experience. It, it looks it. Like, Cookie, what about you? What what would you choose? Ah, uh, no comment. No, um, oh, no, come on, that's no, boo, boring. Boo. boo. Uh, all right, um, uh, eating a cheeseburger while uh getting a blowjob. <laughs> Just, yeah, why not both? Oh, uh, yeah. great. Z, uh, yeah. meal deal. <laughs> what about you, Mister Floodman? Um, I feel like I get a lot. I get tired of burgers quicker than I get tired of blowjobs, so I'll you go are with that. this. So this, you're using yeah, logic change, in this change shit. The fillings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, change the toppings. You can mm. change the bun. Yeah, you can mm. change change the meat. You can't you can't do that with. <laughs> you could you could ch- mm. do. I really want to say what what's going through my head. You, I feel you- like we should move on before we get this podcast pulled. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mark Clarkson. Thank you very much for that question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, I feel dirty. I just feel dirty. Okay, back to another co- topic we can all feel dirty about. Another question from Kiki Mosan. Balance of performance. Uh, how do we feel Yay. about balance performance? This is this is an opportunity to rant. What we've we been going for? We've been going for about an hour and a half. So we'll do this. We'll do... Uh, and then we'll do two more questions after this. So balance for, balance of performance. Do we love it? Do we hate it? Why? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes is the answer. Okay. Why do we? Yes. So if you look at it from an OEM's perspective, um, it is much needed. Um, you see the people on social media saying, "Oh, these guys should be should be uh, unleashed, de-restricted." Yeah. Why? Why is Corvette being held back so much? Oh my God! Corvette fans are the worst. I'm looking Corvette. at you in the chat. I, I I see you there. I see you listening. Corvette fanboys, you're the worst. Oh my god! But it's perpetuated by Corvette themselves. They're probably the OEM that likes it the least. Like they had um, in the like 2012 when what was it the Z06? Then they had yeah. uh, sorry uh, yeah 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 um, they they had an advert saying only Corvette gets held back by balance of performance. Um, Which rah, is patently untrue anyway, but yeah, sure. Exactly, yeah. And it's just a load of crap. Um, it, it is... It, you, you've got to have literally no imagination um, to want that kind of thing uh, in terms of the class dying mm. and, and being unsustainable. Like, yeah, I agree, it would be epic it would be really cool the class would go out in a blaze of glory <laughs> the racing would be wicked for 12 months and then you won't have it anymore like ever. It is ever anymore again. ever so it would um, just be gt1 that's literally yeah. what happened to gt1 this is what happened you had cars that go. were homologation specials they were freaking awesome the racing was crazy and then one car outspent the rest and everyone was like well we don't want to race anymore and it died yeah 100 percent. and but- and this this is why I, I was saying it from an OEM's perspective because I have visited when I visited the the GT3 engineers. Um, oh, just uh, on a they were saying trot down the road to see the GT3 engineers. Hello there. Exactly. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I was fortunate to uh, 
set up a, a visit and um and they showed us around and um they were all always saying and this is the wording that they used they are all grateful for bop uh, 100% however frustrating sometimes it can be um it allows you to fight in the world's arena for OEMs for brands your brand can then go up against head to head with another brand and it, it yes sure you might say oh let the engineers without BOP you can let the engineers do their thing but actually with BOP you can let your engineers do their thing and be better at designing a car within the window mm. and designing a car to fit in within that tight window like I was saying you know aiming the letterbox from 10 meters away with a dart you want to show off how your engineers can fit within that yeah. uh, BOP window and that's where you know the 720s was really impressive oh, here we go at uh, Bathurst because <laughs> I don't believe have they been like hit quote unquote with BOP since the implementation of that car or has it been pretty bang on in terms of like you know well being pretty good within the window. Let's not use Australian. Let's design. not use Australian GT as an example of a BOP class, okay? Because Australian GT yeah. is yeah something entirely different. No one should be watching. Was Australian. it not using the IGTC? It was using SRO. SRO. Um, yeah. as far as yeah. as far as SRO's BOP, I didn't read too much into it, but I will say the S720s was pretty damn good that weekend. In fact, all yeah. cars were pretty damn good at different times of the event, which is I think something that BOP uh something one of the factors in which BOP is a design design constraint which really allows the cream to come to the top um well BOP having the cars so close together in performance these slight changes in performance over let's say a few degrees track temperature change yeah. becomes more apparent yeah, than if they exactly. were if, if there was a big gap in performance then these small rises and falls in performance would be lost yep. in the big gaps. Yep. So it w wouldn't be a thing. But then also it comes down to, you know, the technology that's used in balance to performance. And there are certain series that do it a lot better than others. Um, <coughs> and you look at, yeah, yeah. Um, you have, uh, you when you do it appropriately, um, so I'm talking FIA WEC rounds other than the 24 hours of Le Mans, the BOP is really impressive what they've managed to do with yeah. the auto BOP systems and, you know, top SRO GT3 events as well. The parity and the strength in depth across a field is really cool to see uh, when you consider the difference in car design from the ground up, you know, front engined, rear engine, mid engined all over. Um, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. And yeah, it, it, you're exactly right on all accounts. When BOP is done well, it is fantastic because it enables everyone to fight on the same playing field. The problem is with BOP, the people that lobby about it and all the politics behind it. Screw that. I just want to see cars race. And I think the auto BOP system and the SRO BOP system are two examples of very, very good BOP done very, very well. Um, the thing is, though, people will complain that it's always the same people winning in a BOP class as well anyway. And the counter argument I have to that is... Duh, they're the better teams. You know, hot take, good team wins race. No oh, way. What? I know, right? 
Um, and just as a, a sidebar, there's a, the whole thing about like parody of the V8s last season. Um, and then, you know, they did a bunch of changes in the off season and then it was still the same two teams at the front of the field. It's like, yeah, they are the best teams in the lane. That's why they are so good. Um, and you know, there's a ways to be fast in a BOP category that aren't, around the balance of performance you know if your car has a wide setup window that complies to a lot of different driving styles and is kind on its tires and is comfortable to drive it will be faster than its contemporaries for that reason and i think you know things we're talking about mclaren and we're doing the whole hail corporate to mclaren in this podcast as well thanks ollie um let's use these mp mp412c as an example that thing was an absolute bullet but it was dog shit in BOP racing because it didn't have a wide setup window. It wasn't compliant to setup changes. It was an awful thing to drive. So when they brought out the 7650S, uh, everyone was like, oh, please give me some of that because it's better because it's comfortable. And look, it got instant success. It won the Blank Pen Endurance Series the year after it was released. So there you go. It's There's ways to win BOP categories. And that's why teams like, for example, Manti Racing or you know the McLaren 720S, or you know whoever else you want to point out htp and mercedes these are the reasons they are still successful despite bop changes and it's because they're just good teams in cars that are designed to be effective in a bop category bop is great yeah the issue i have or not with bop because i think if bop is done correctly then it's obviously awesome when it's not done correctly or is done in conjunction with god-awful regulations around pit stops and things like that, that's when you run into problems. Yeah. So it's not BOP, I think, is this theory the issue. It's the stuff around BOP. Yeah, again, the, 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 part about, the worst part of it isn't the system, it's the people around the system. <laughs> oh, but, you know, having the pit, the pit rules that are super prescriptive and mm. give you no freedom to do anything. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I've, I've taken crazy pills today not to say that there's an argument against it here is here is the underlying argument that i think a lot of people that don't like bop uh will harp on which is the lack of unique pace that uh non-bop gives to specific cars so if you try to drive any car in a category even like let's say in the 90s there are specific cars that could that are way better at doing specific things yeah. than other cars, and that and the differentiation between that and like the driver and or the environment and or the conditions on the track uh, or traffic that factored in more, and you would see these gaps you know widen and then come back. They'd accord in a little bit more, and so you'd see like the oh okay we got a battle coming up okay he's catching him he's catching him oh and there's a pass okay. But then he gaps into about eight seconds, and then it all of a sudden wheels back in, and then they pass him. So it's like you're getting this kind of accordion where you're seeing pace differences kind of fluctuate. You're, you'd never see that with BOP. And if BOP is two tenths off for uh, two cars, two makes, they're just going to be two tenths off probably for the entire weekend, notwithstanding a driver change or conditions on the track changing. Um, yeah. So that's where I think you can get frustrated with BOP much yeah. easier because it doesn't make a case for itself if it messes up slightly. Yeah, it kind of so. masks everything else going on, on under the scenes, really. Um, in saying that, though, the counter-argument to that is, like, 
it is still possible to have those, you know, specific features of cars or drivers, etc. in BOP racing. It's just uh, maybe not as broad and noticeable as it is in other series. I mean, if you look at the 2019 Bathurst 12 hour, that I think I think the BOP for that race was immaculate because it allowed each car to have its own set of advantages but still be competitive with every other car in the field. Like you're coming into the last the last hour there and you had seven cars on the lead lap and only two of them were the same make. And they were all on different strategies, all doing different things, all trying to maximize their own uh, advantage. And in the end, uh, as as history will show, uh, a late safety car gave the car with the best tires and the best tire life that advantage, which happened to be the Porsche with Matt Campbell. And, you know, we've all seen that pass and that was an awesome event and blah, 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 blah. So it is still possible to get those unique features of the cars in a BOP race. It's just you got to be a bit more patient. And with 60 car GT3 fields, sometimes it's difficult to be patient especially when you know there's cars going off in the wall and you know red flags and yellow flags and i mean hey just look at the what the 2019 uh barcelona finale for the blank pan endurance series in which there was like more yellow flag running than green flag running you know it's hard to get unique features of cars when you know that's happened yep yeah so bop do we love it or we hate it yes or no love it hate it Go, someone. I will. We Keep love it. it. <laughs> I, I always be. Yeah. I always yeah. be. Yes, love it. It's. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll say I love it, but I mean, you know, <laughs> I wish we didn't need it. But I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I love it for the reasons it's here. So. Yeah, Cookie, you have a love hate relationship with everything. You have a love hate yes. relationship with yourself. I love the BOP. <laughs> Uh, we love you too, Cookie. Yeah, the BOP is really good. Speaking of love and our quartet that we've got today, um, Kiwi has asked us if we want to play a game of uh, Snog, Marry, Kill, or Ignore, but that was meant to be with, with all five of us here. Let's play Snog, Snog, Marry, Kill. Kiwi, seeing as you started this, you have to go first. Between between myself, Austin, and Ollie, Snog, Marry, Kill. Okay, go. Oh, I'm oh, marrying no. Ollie for the money. <laughs> Potential future earnings alone. I thought it would be for the cheeseburgers. <laughs> Good side effect, yes. Um, and then a snog and kill. Well, sorry, Cookie, but I'm snogging Got you. Oh, <laughs> yes, dang. release me from this earthly shackles. <laughs> so, Flood, can you hear that tapping at the window? Uh... <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Um, all right, let's see here. I'll do, uh, yeah, I'll do Ollie for Mary too, just cause yeah, definitely money location. I mean, it's a good spot. I like where he's living. Um, good access to the EU for some good for Lamar. So but for now, that's, for now oh, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah, let's see. Uh, Chris, I'll return the love. I'll return the love. It's not, it's not with you, man. Uh, and then by pure Reddit uh, and meme fashion, I'll vote to kill myself. Oh! <laughs> Oof. Wow. <laughs> Bro. Wow, I rate, so, I rate so low on Cookie's hit list that I just get ignored. No, I, well, I, well, hey, I mean, I would... I mean, you were the only one left, but I feel I felt like, you know... To, don't, to you don't even want to kill me, man. My oh. red self. 
All right, fine. Well, I'll, it'll do. It'll, it'll be a murder suicide. Oh, okay, go. I'm okay with that. The, Ameri- the American <laughs> great, dream. This is a great question, by the way. I really <laughs> wanted to answer this one. The American dream. Uh, Ollie, you're up. We're planning for long time. Uh, oh shit. Um, okay. Um, I would marry Cookie uh, just to have a really cute Green Bay Packers fan household. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we just go into the sunset drinking spotted cow. Oh, know, heck! Fried cheese curds. Mm. Absolutely, fish fry Friday, man. Especially during Lent. <laughs> yeah, we can just have some brats. Oh, love it. Um, Nailed it. Okay. Nailed it. Very nice. I think I'd put kiwi out of his misery. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. And then, uh, yeah, it's just gonna have to. Get on that uh, that snog. <laughs> Get over and done with. <laughs> oh, wow! I feel so. I feel we'll so loved. We'll have to do it over Skype. We'll have to do it over Skype. Oh boy, I do not consent. Oh, <laughs> not over Skype. It's going to be in person or nothing. <laughs> when I come to Le Mans this year, this is happening. Oh, this is not happening. Le Mans got cancelled then. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, I feel loved. Uh, what about? Okay, my turn. My turn. Okay. Um, I feel like I have to marry Cookie because I feel like we get a lot. Well, I feel like we indulge each other's misery in the most perfect way possible. And you, you've got a lot of old sports car races on your server, so I, I'd like to enjoy that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Gotta, gotta, gotta keep the bromance strong. What that excess is included with that package. Oh yeah, baby. Um, mm. <laughs> give me, give me that package. <laughs> yeah, they, give me that oh. access to that package. That's what I need to say. That oh, was no. what you needed to say. Um, you didn't do it. Yeah. That's all right. We'll forgive you this time. Please, uh, please let this podcast is rated R. Yep. This is, you know what we're getting into. <laughs> been, for, been for a while now. Um, I uh, <laughs> I, seeing as I met Kiwi in real life, there's no way that I want to snog him. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, you're getting killed, bro. And I guess that just leaves... The, uh, I guess I guess when I do come to Le Mans, I guess we just got to do this, Ollie. This is just going to happen. Love is in the air. Just, you just gotta just lean into it. Just, just, just let it happen. There you go. Hot. Oh boy. Um, do we have time? Oh, we, we. Oh, do we have time to fit this question? Or oh, we'll save. We'll save that for another time. Thank you. Thank you for that question, Kiwi. Thank you for all your questions, everyone who submitted questions to this podcast. Final one for today from Kinky Mulsan yet again. Um, guys. What do you enjoy the most about being a part of Endurance Chat, and why? Oh, that's wholesome. Yeah, right? I thought we'd end on a nice wholesome note after going through that ordeal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, I just enjoy chatting, sports cars, chatting, all this sort of stuff. Pretending like I know what I'm talking about when really I don't know Jack. (laughs) With, um, honestly, with with a bloke that I've met and have, and get on really well with and enjoy your company. Oh, thanks, man. And and through everything else we do as well. Mm. Subscribe to subscribe to our whatever blister Australia commentaries. Oh yeah, you should definitely do that. Short shift motorsport podcast YouTube yeah. channel. Yep, do that. Yes, yes. And just for everyone that that rolls through here as well, just it's just always great fun, and I enjoy the hell out of it. Oh, that's really nice. What about what about you, Cookie? What do you enjoy most about endurance chat? What do I enjoy? Let me tell you the things I don't like first, and then we'll go. We'll get to the things I enjoy. No, okay, no, um, no, no, okay. Well, we'll skip and go, Ollie. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is what you get. Uh, it's uh, no, it's 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 great to. I mean, really, just kind of 
there's I I think a lot about racing in general <laughs> most days, especially especially sports car racing, and I I, I love the series and sports so much, uh, and the ability for me to have a another way to vent that kind of <laughs> uh, want to kind of talk about it and discuss it is uh, is amazing to me, and I really I really appreciate the opportunity to do it, and especially to do it with a lot of stand up people and a lot of successful people too. I mean, all of you guys have done, um, you know. Uh, enough to stay connected in this thing that we're doing, let alone what everybody's doing outside of that. And, um, you know, it's just been, it's been really rewarding even from that aspect, just to kind of be able to talk with you guys about this, even if eight people listen or more, you know, that's, it's good enough for me to kind of enjoy it that way. And so Aww. long story short, I enjoy communicating this with you guys oh it's beautiful 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 austin i enjoy communicating with you too and your your package of and your package of sports car uh uh, what's the word i was trying to uh, trying to find human language yeah (laughs) thanks thanks kiwi uh ollie uh um yeah uh i i think i have uh, got a bit of an addiction um to this sports car hobby um and to indulge uh, in a little bit more than i could before uh, before joining i think it's it's a good bit of fun um i think it is also pretty cool to um get better at these sorts of things mm. um in terms of um present uh, presentation skill kind of things um i am so you're a, using us to better yourself ollie god i man. mean to be Just fair that's that's i mean yeah yeah you're not really you're not what i'm doing you're you're not getting yeah. something personally rewarding out of this that's really not what i'm doing I, of course not. I am a really crap stem ambassador and i am uh trying to get better so um this helps me uh just communicate uh, clearer. Uh, and I think I've got better at that. That's pretty fun uh, to see if you, you know, if everyone goes back to looking at their first episode, they'll probably be horrified. Uh, so it's pretty cool to, to see everyone's uh, getting better. And, you know, part of it is also looking at other sports cars, podcasts and thinking, geez, <laughs> if they can do it and make, success out of it then how hard can it be so <laughs> uh, let me tell yeah. you when you want the when you're the one organizing everything it's bloody hard <laughs> yeah yeah and and it, it gives me an appreciation of of broadcasting and um making content for um communities um i think yeah it's really cool it's added uh, a, 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 a nice connection to the community um and hopefully it gets goes uh, on str- uh, strength to strength yeah well we've hit we've hit 100 episodes which is a pretty strong mark uh so yeah i want to thank you guys for that and the guys in the chat as well and the guys who've been sending us the questions and for me it's it's such a privilege to be able to share this passion that I have for for sports cars with such an informed community and to bring new people in and to get them excited about something that I'm already so excited about. So for, for, for a format like this where 
it's a chance for me to indulge in something I love and share that with more people and to bring in people as well that want to share in that passion and want to get better. Like, you know, I, I look at, you know, not Cookie, because Cookie was always great at talking. He'd talk your ear off he, if he got the chance. You know, half the time we're telling him to shut up, ain't that right? Um, <laughs> we love you, Cookie. But like, you know, I look back at your your first episode, Kiwi, when we talked about the Bathurst 12-hour, and your first episode, <laughs> Ollie, when we first talked about uh, it would have been, you know, Spa Francochamps in 2018 or something like that. And, that is correct, yes. Yeah, and just to think, you know, how much we've all improved and how much we've, uh, yeah, mm. enjoyed this experience together. And I, and I, and I love, I love that people love what we do as well. You know, the fact that we've hit a hundred episodes, and we've got something almost twenty thousand downloads. To me, is still mind blowing. And yeah, I, I feel so privileged to be in a position where I can do this and have people listen and enjoy it. And that's what I enjoy most about it is, is that other people enjoy it as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and. I listened, I listened back to that, I think back to the first podcast where I come in with a, G'day, mates! Oh, I, and just I, think how far it comes to the thing. <laughs> that, that just got, that got like a very physical, uh, physical cringe out of me just because yeah. I remember that so viscerally. Uh, ah, yeah. great times, great times. Um, and I think, yeah, this, this podcast has been a great time. It's been definitely a lot looser than what we normally are. And that's saying something. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna follow that up. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave it there. Um, yeah. So this is we we we're gonna be trying to stick with this sort of format for the next little while. More lighthearted stuff. More just discussions on all aspects of sports cars and racing. And we'll di- dive into some of these questions a bit further in the future. Maybe more of the fun fun ones as well. Um, I think cookie wants to really grill us about why we hate sebring and turn that into an entire episode in itself and i mean hey if he wants to indulge that i'll, I'll let it happen um but yeah. e- expect to see if you've got any topics that we, you want us to talk about whether that be um you know stuff relating to sports cars stuff relating to worldwide racing stuff relating to just normal life stuff like i i think one episode that i've got an idea for is just you know the stuff we do outside of sports cars the sport we like and all that sort of stuff so if you like that sort of stuff let me know because this is going to be a really weird time and i want to add some more positivity to what could be a very very slow couple of months um and on that note thank you everyone so much for listening thank you so much for the last four and a bit years thank you so much for 100 episodes i'm michael zalavari peace out Oh, what a hot mess.